Welcome to In the Garden with Peter Burke here on WDEV. Our program is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield, by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm on Main Street in Colchester, by your locally-owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road, by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores, four to serve you in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. P&R Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. They're right there on Route 15 in Wolcott. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating over 120 years of family ownership. Also by Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. And by Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust, where one call does it all. They're on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Yes, the phones are open even during our outdoor celebration of our 90th birthday at WDEV. Your gardening questions and comments at 802-244-1777 or toll free at 877-291-8255 or live and in person out here on Stowe Street in Waterbury. Here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. And... Uh Hello. Happy birthday to us, huh? Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so I noticed it at first drop of rain, so I don't know if we're under a tent, but everybody else isn't. Um, so when I was listening to Anson talking about uh, gardening for the birds, mm-hmm. it got me thinking, um, you know, what could you do for the birds specifically in the garden? And, uh, of course, the number one thing that you do for the birds in the garden is put up a bird bath. Mm-hmm. And uh, if um, there's anything else that anybody can think of that they do specifically for the birds, uh, give us a call. I was talking to um, our weatherman, Roger, and he was wondering, do we see more weather extremes and what's the result of the weather extremes in gardening? And... Uh, of course, gardeners are used to feast and famine, uh, hot, cold, uh, too much rain, too little rain, and that's part of the the, the annual challenge for all the, the gardeners. Uh, we're just a little bit more extreme, and that I pointed out is the reason that we use those uh, garden beds with the vermiculite and the perlite because that helps to take some of the, the high points out. More or less, the vermiculite will absorb more rain when we get a hard rain, and it also fill in for when the, it's a little bit drier. And that, that's a, a big part, one of the good reasons, the best reasons to, um, to use uh, the garden bed. 
So, and he was wondering if we're seeing any more. Roger was saying, are we seeing any other types of bugs? And what else was was going on in the garden? And so far, all I've seen is the ones that Japanese beetles are coming. Uh, it's time to put out those the Japanese beetle traps. And uh, just a reminder that you don't want to put the traps in the garden because that tends to pull them into the garden. What you want to do is you put them away from the garden or anything else that you're trying to protect. Put them, uh, oh, maybe 30, 50 feet away so they're drawn. Generally, you want to go either downhill or um, uh, away from the garden. So the same old bugs, and that means that we still need to spray for the the cabbage moth. We still need to, um, of course, the Japanese beetles. And it's start. It's time to start watching out for the the dreaded uh, giant horned worm tomato caterpillar, <laughs> the beast of the garden. Yeah, the Godzilla of the garden. Gar- yes. yes, yes, the garden. It's time to start watching out for those, and. Uh, uh, yeah, that's. What else have we seen in the garden? Oh, well, you mentioned you mentioned doing something nice for the birds. This is the first year that I've actually had a a bird bath out, and I'm surprised at how popular it is. And I'm kind of angry at myself for the past 30 years not really having done that. But I have a whole bunch of empty pots that line the deck in different places that are usually filled with water uh-huh. during non-drought years. So they they've had plenty. But yeah, I've purposely been filling and cleaning a, a yeah. big dish, a huge dish. Actually, it's the, uh, uh, the you know the underside of a clay flower pot. I got the extra large size, oh, yeah, about yeah. 16 inches. Keep that filled every every day, and uh, it seems they appreciate it. They, it's uh, not your old satellite dish? They, no, that would work, too. <laughs> but uh, I guess I should not be surprised that the birds use it as a bird bath. You know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but also, the, uh, they're for attracting, bir- attracting hummingbirds, uh, there are several varieties of pole beans, one of which mm. is really not an edible one, mm. but uh, so many beautiful little red flowers, and the hummingbirds absolutely like that. So the trumpet sort yeah. of shape. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And uh, it's funny you mention that because I'd forgotten that hummingbirds are birds, and we tra- attract a lot of them with the um, uh, comfrey. Mm-hmm. And they have that little um, horn, you know, the little... Uh, uh, red flower that seems to attract them. And, you know, uh, since we're talking about uh, uh, beginnings, this whole thing, this In the Garden show started with Ed Smith. Right. Yeah, with you and him uh, talking uh, garden stuff, right? Yep. Oh, yep. So. And, uh, Ed first published his Vegetable Gardener's Bible. Mm-hmm. It was just so perfectly, you know, uh, laid out with uh, both problems alphabetically yeah. and various species yeah. of garden uh, you know garden plants al- alphabetically and within each section uh, the do's and don'ts and some very good advice that uh, absolutely terrific and what the and one of the first books that really completely focused on organic growing mm-hmm. which is a very sensible trend that we're all following yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and then uh, the other book was the uh, container Gardener's yes. Bible, and um, if you haven't tried containers, containers really are a, have a place in the garden. Um, if you have a problem children, sort of like peppers or eggplant that are a little tougher to grow in a in in some of the cold spots in Vermont, 
You might try a, a container. I kind of like the garden patch container. Uh, they're a little bit cheaper than the earth boxes, and and I like the way they're set up because they have a four-gallon reservoir in the bottom, and it's really easy just to use the hose to fill them up. So you think about that, and the f- the first time I ever heard about the using the garden boxes was actually a a tomato grower down in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to switch to organic gardening and organic farming so he could sell his cherry tomatoes as organic. And when he looked at what he had to do with his garden, his farm patch, uh, he realized that he'd have to have three years of, uh, uh, you know, dormancy and plant such and such. And he got to thinking, well... I can put organic soil in the garden box, and it's organic, and I don't have to wait for a year. And he had roughly a 1,000 of these boxes. And then you realize all he had to do was one, run one line down through to fill that four-gallon container every you know day or two. And in Florida, of course, you have sandy soil, and anything that you water goes right down into the soil very quickly. And this way, he, he got the best use out of his water by filling that container in the bottom. And uh, he was uh, organic right away. So, Yeah, my brother, who lives uh, north of New York City by about uh, 45, 50 miles in Rockland County, mm-hmm. uh, lives on a, well, he has a couple acres of, of property but it's all on the side of a, I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's vertical, just about, uh, uh, you know, the side of a, of a very rocky hill, rocky mountain. And uh, he, uh, a huge deck around his place, mm-hmm. and he is all container gardening. But yeah. I, I kid you not, no less than 50 large size wow. containers wow. containing everything. And uh, does really well. You know, he does it. So it... I got the impression he was only growing tomatoes. He grows other oh, things. Oh, he grows other things, too. Yeah, but he, he is uh, the master tomato, tomato grower. He <laughs> is uh, all the heirloom varieties. Yeah. He tries new ones out from those people that supply the heirloom plants or seeds. Yeah. But he also investigated our heritage, our, uh, our own heritage, on one side of the family German, the other side Czechoslovakian, mm. and he was able to find out from our relatives overseas what the great-great-grandparents were wow. planting no and researched it, and he's growing those varieties no just to see what uh, great-great-grandpa Oscar so cool. was, uh, was eating you know, out of the garden. So that's a lot of fun. You can have all different kinds of reasons yeah. for, for planting things. Yeah. So, as I've said, you know, you can do the, the problem to children, you know, the ones that need the extra heat and the extra. Uh, but you can also do regular staple crops, you know, yeah. uh, your, your tomatoes and potatoes and carrots. And, and uh, they're actually, I have a lot of problem getting radishes to grow without bolting. Yeah, it's uh, that's a tough one this year, especially. We've had more calls about people having difficulty with radishes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I've never had any difficulty. Yeah, maybe maybe they like the clay soil, the one yeah. plant that likes the clay soil you know, in Mallet's Bay. That but, might be it. Well, let, we we do have some calls, and we are encouraging calls. So let's go first to Pete. Okay, hey, Barry. Pete, Pete you're, Barry, you're on with Peter. Oh, are you still fighting with those uh, woodchucks? 
Crows or blue jays? Because I've heard that about them. Well, the blue jays only come when the oak, the oak uh, tree that we have gets acorns. Then we get all kinds of blue jays. Mm. But other than that, we don't have too many. Uh, so, so, that so high, how high up is this birdbath? Pardon me? How high up did you make that birdbath? I gotta say, it's uh, it's gotta be maybe four, four and a half feet. Huh? Oh, how did you get it that high? Pardon me? How did you get it that high? I, I made a tripod. Yeah, oh, okay. Because as I say, well, the bird bath is made out of copper. Okay. Yeah, and uh, because because I understand copper is, uh, it keeps bacteria out of the water a little bit better. Oh, yeah, sure. That you, We use copper in the garden for fungus, yeah. And so... Uh, so I just I just took a sheet of copper and hammered out a out a bowl basically. Yeah. And Get out, anyway, really. It's not too deep, so I don't think that the crows are are interested in it. Okay, well it's interesting. It's something we really encourage Pete. Hey, thank you for calling. We we do appreciate your participation. Sure. One other thing. I understand that rainwater is better for plants than tap water. Oh, I, I don't think it makes any difference, honestly. Doesn't make any difference. Unless there was an awful lot of chlorine in it. But other than that, within a day, all that stuff just... Uh, so I think you're okay either way. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Have Thanks a, a lot. Yep. Thanks, Pete. Okay. From uh, Pete, we go to Northfield. And on the line is Laura from Northfield. Hey, Laura. Hi. Joining Hi. us on our birthday. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> What's um, going on? I have two questions. One, I only caught a little bit of what you said last week, something about cutting down my asparagus fern. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. So um, the idea behind that uh, is uh, having a crop, a second crop of, of uh, asparagus because you basically you cut them down first thing in the spring and then you let them grow and and uh, become ferns and I was researching it and I think it was actually Forbes who mentioned uh, how can I get a, a you know a succession of of uh, asparagus and his idea was to grow it was to plant some of them you know twice as deep or deeper than the others but I read about actually letting the the asparagus grow up to ferns without cutting them at all. And then uh, right about now, July 15th, in this time is to go out and go ahead and cut them all right down to the ground, and then you'll get a second crop of asparagus. Well, what if, what if I already cut them and ate them? 
Well, then I would try it on a small amount because, uh, you know, I, ha- I haven't tried that one yet. I've only tried letting them grow to fern and then cutting them down. So okay. I don't know if that would affect the roots uh, uh, negatively or not, uh, but you can give it a try. Give it yeah. a try. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, of course, the other question everyone probably has is Japanese beetles. Got any new, <laughs> new uh, solutions? Uh, a solution? Yeah, it's, it's, you just got to get the Japanese beetle traps. There's, uh, you know, neem oil, any of those things generally don't work well with uh, Japanese beetles. They sort of wear armor, and uh, you could spray them with spinosad, but the best thing to do is just trap them. The trap them has a pheromone in it, and it draws them right in. You know, they go down in the in the tin yeah. can there, and then you're all, you know, you're done. And you'll okay. have to change that. You change it about once a week. There's a yeah. plastic plastic bag on the bottom of the fins, and uh, you just, you know, every week. The other thing is that you can do with Japanese beetles is you know, there's uh, some stuff that you get at uh, Agway or Blue Seal, and... Um, it's a, a milky spore, and it gives you directions on how you you put a little bit every six inches or so right along your whole lawn, and you apply that supposedly once, and that's good enough to take care, set them back for a few years. So you could try I tried the that. nematodes. That didn't work. You tried the what? Nematodes, you know, you spray it onto the wall. Oh, and yeah. Nematodes are very tough. Um, if uh, One of the things that does kill nematodes is um, the marigold, and the root system of the, uh, of the marigold puts out something that's poisonous to the nematodes and kills them. But huh. that's, that it works in the garden, but it doesn't work well for a lawn. So right. for your lawn... You know, and that's where most of the grubs live, is in that is in that lawn. So you want to go ahead and and use that milky spore, or just use the traps. You know, the right. traps are easy to use. You're going to do it every year. Um, yeah. But if you want to try to fight back a little bit and and get rid of them completely, then you'll have to use something like the milky spore. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, was, thank you very much. Was that it, Laura? Yes, that's it. Thank okay. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Uh, our telephone lines are open. Might remind uh, people that we are here on Stowe Street in Waterbury, broadcasting uh, literally outside, out in front of our esteemed facility. And there's still plenty of time to stop on by if you'd like. There's going to be live music following the end of our program at 1.30. That'll be until 2 o'clock. We're going to hear from Rick Norcross and some great, great music. Ooh. Coming up uh, on WDEV, and this will be live and in color, direct from Stowe Street. The program you're listening to now is In the Garden with Peter Burke, and we'll be back after this break for these messages. Montpelier Agway has your summer covered. Summer is grilling. Montpelier Agway can fill your propane tank so it's always ready. Summer is growing. Montpelier Agway has fertilizers, and their selection of annuals and perennials is replenished weekly. Summer is pets. Montpelier Agway has pet food supplies and even a dog wash. 
Summer is bugs. Montpelier Agway has organic insecticides to keep your plants free from pests. Summer is Montpelier Agway, Route 2 East Montpelier. Clausen's is celebrating summer with Clausen's grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, and herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full-service flower shop. Print out your weekly online coupons from Clausen's.com. Summer is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think summer, think Clausen's. P&R Lumber Route 15 Wilkett has lumber for all your needs. Spruce, pine, hemlock, and cedar. We sell both rough and plain lumber. P&R Lumber has shiplap, square edge, tongue and groove, V-groove, and 2x6 V-groove. Five-quarter decking is available in cedar and tamarack. Live edge planks, ground hemlock bark mulch by the yard. P&R Lumber, 472-6636. Weekdays, 7 to 4.30, Saturdays, 8 to noon. That's 472-6636. Local lumber, local service. Put us first. Growing veggies and flowers is easy when you begin with a visit to V's Flowers and Garden Shop. V's has everything you need for a successful summer garden. From hand-selected organic vegetable and herb plants to rich organic soil, colorful flowers ready for planting, and beautiful hanging baskets and fresh-cut flowers. And delivery is available. With more than 25 years of gardening experience, V can offer you the advice you need for gardening success. Visit V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. WDEV also serves the Northeast Kingdom at 101.9 W270BR Island Pond. And a big invitation to all those on 101.9. It's great to be uh, all, all the way up there in God's country as WDEV, the friendly pioneer. At, well, actually, it was at the 1400s uh, when it was first on the air, but the 550 signal traveled much further. And uh, Ken's dad, the old squire, uh, was wise enough to say, hey, you know, if we're going to broadcast for Vermont, let's broadcast for as much of Vermont as we can. And during Ken's tenure, we've expanded to FM, plus a couple of AM repeaters, and of course the FM 101.9 up there in the Northeast Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Program is in the garden with Peter Burke, and uh, we've frequently talked about uh, things happening in the garden uh, with regard to blueberries and the critters that bother them and the acidity of the soil that is required, and uh, the, a person that brings us a great deal of expertise uh, in that area is Forbes Marl. And Forbes, uh, instead of being at the other end of that telephone, is here with us. Welcome to In the Garden. Yeah. yeah. Why? Yes. Yeah. I feel like a little petunia and an onion. <laughs> so how is the blueberry crop this year? It's phenomenal. It's probably one of the best at uh, 28 years that my uh, blueberry patch has been in in the uh, operation about the best in 28 years how come is that just because you've been working on it uh you know the the fertilizing and all that stuff yeah things don't just happen or just don't Mm -hmm. grow you have to um, a lot of hand culturing a lot of input but we've had um, excellent rain in my particular area, which is over in Corinth, Vermont. Yeah. And um, I monitor, and of course, blueberries need about an inch of water per week in order to properly develop. And we've had that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you figure? A few weeks yet, or? Yes, because of my variety, uh, I'm in a. a Cold region, so I had to pick a, a later variant blueberry to miss the uh, spring frost. 
What? <laughs> Is that uh, okay? All right. There we go. To Mr. Spring Fox. Yeah. So um, my blueberries are just starting to red up a little bit, pink up. You know, uh, so I've got a little bit, a couple more weeks anyway before I start. Um, the, the thing that I... Uh, and I think we talked about this before. When I buy them in the store, blueberries, they're all of them absolutely straight blue, solid. And it's kind of tough to, you know, harvest them exactly right like that because you get, you always get a few with a little pink on top. So do, do they gas them when they? I don't believe they gas blueberries. No, uh, they come from you know warmer climates. Uh, that, uh, happen, uh, you know, another probably uh, 28 days before oh, ours. Do. Oh, okay. So they they just have a longer season than I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or the, more patient. I don't know. <laughs> all those varieties are what you call rabbit eye or. Uh, they're a lot of bulk. They look nice and everything else, but actually when you eat them, compared mm-hmm. to our native berries or Maine, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the yeah. flavor and taste and texture are entirely different. Yeah, that's great. But that's a marketing tool that they use. Yeah. So you do the pick-your-own? Yes, I do. I right. Great following. I'm on the Connecticut River Valley, mm-hmm. so I get a lot of people from New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's far away berry also. Yeah. That's great. It's one of the great things about having blueberries. I, we just put them in a container and freeze them, and then you get them all year long. Which, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people uh, take and put them onto a flat and freeze them first and then put them in a Ziploc. Yeah. Really, unless you pick a, a mushy berry, you can put them right into a Ziploc. One gallon, minimum two pounds in one gallon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just layer it out and let uh-huh. those freeze, and then you can add to it. Oh. Okay, so you do that so that it don't freeze in a clump? Right. Okay. The one gallon Ziplocs, and you want to buy a freezer Ziploc, not yeah. just any, any Ziploc. And they'll lay right out as long as you have a flat place to put them on. And yeah. that, as soon as they freeze, you can keep adding to it. <laughs> I saw a lot all during uh, winter. Is that People right? People looking for them during winter. Yeah. So when you take the tray out, do they go like marbles all over the place? No, you, no. If you do it in a tray, yeah. It's hard to put it back in. But uh, they're great because you can just open your Ziploc, you know, pound it on the yeah. counter, yeah. open the Ziploc, take out what you want, throw what the bag back in. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so do the same, do you uh, grow any strawberries at all? No. Yeah. I tried once, but they're a lot of care. Yeah. It's every couple of years you have to replace them, from what I understand. Now, when I um, when I grow my strawberries, I actually cut off all the runners, and I grow them just on the mother, just on the, the one, so that way I can plant one per foot in my beds. And they're still productive, and they last longer, you know, a good three, four years, and they're still... Nice and uh, nice berries. Uh, well, there are a lot of different varieties of yeah. uh, strawberries also. Well, I gave up on strawberries when the chipmunks discovered them. Yeah. So. <laughs> Chip, chipmunks and field mice. Yeah. Have a field day. Have a field day. Well, <laughs> it's their country. We're just living in it. <laughs> We're on borrowed time for sure. <laughs> Although this year the wild 
raspberries that I find out in the airport park in Colchester yeah. of having a banner year mm-hmm. and I actually beat the birds and rodents to them so <laughs> I've had a good one and I didn't have to do any cultivating for those. I've had a couple of people tell me that they're having trouble with their blackberries this year um, you know I, I don't know I know why I had trouble with blackberries is because we just cut them all down and starting over because we're, the patch had grow, overgrown so much but um, I, I don't know whether it's a bad blackberry year or not. So. Well, I just want to remind folks that our telephone number is 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. Uh, Peter Burke here and uh, visiting us for a stretch is uh, Forbes. So if you uh, have any questions, don't hesitate to uh, get them to us. Of course, anybody out here on Stowe Street in the audience have a gardening question, uh, don't hesitate to come on up. So, um, and by the way, when, when we get past the gardening season, Peter's book, uh, Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening, is uh, published by Chelsea Green, is just a wonderful way to ensure that you have fresh vegetables all year round. He's too modest to make the plug, but it is really the, the book in that area, and he has uh, proven and tried ways. I can say that it works it works wonderfully if you follow directions. There's no such thing as, well, it would be a little easier if I did it this way. And I tell you, get that out of your system. And uh, fa- I think fa- what you're saying is I've made every mistake. I have, I've actually, I said, well, I don't have to do, do it that way, you know. Next thing I know, I'm just staring at a pot of dirt, you know, <laughs> while he's eating a salad. So, uh, but at any rate, year-round indoor salad garden. And when you get your website debugged, you're going to let yeah. people know about that, okay? That's right, for sure. Okay. For sure. And we are in the garden on WDEV. Hey, Peter Lee Cattell here. i got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, my question is for the, for the lazy gardener, what, or the time-constrained gardener, what vegetable can you grow that is the least amount of work and the greatest amount of yield? <laughs> well, that, that's, a, that's a tough question because it sort of depends on what you like to eat. Now, potatoes, you plant them. And once you hill them, you're all done. You can, you know, you can forget about them. Carrots are very similar to that, too. You plant your carrots. Once they're thinned, as long as they're watered, you're all set. They'll grow. You'll, you know, you'll find that sometime in September, you'll have these wonderful carrots like this. And a lot of times you'll look at them and you say, oh, they're not very big. They're not too big. And then... By the end of the season, all of a sudden, you've got these wonderful carrots like that and about that big around. So they're good finishers. Yeah, they're good finishers, yeah. Um, what do you think, Forbes? What's really easy? And <laughs> well, carrots are always a good main staple for yeah. all kinds of chicken soup. And yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Anything else. I grow them basically in a half sand, half dirt mixture. Yep. That allows the carrot to move. Yep. And develop its good size because yep. of the sand mixture. Mm-hmm. They're not restrained by just solid earth. Um, uh, zucchini? Do you like zucchini? Actually, I 
Actually, zucchini is what I, the vegetable I chose, so I'm very happy to hear you say that. I'm very happy to hear that zucchini is big yield and so not much work. Yield. You rang my bell. Yeah, Thank definitely you. big yields. Uh, and, you, and you like to eat them. I, yes. Okay. S- sliced and uh, sautéed with a little mozzarella and yep. maybe some uh, cut tomatoes to yeah, go with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite recipes is sliced, sliced tomatoes. Put them in the oven and, and dust them with Parmesan cheese and a little bit of olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> or augment it onto your pizza. <laughs> well, there, there you go. <laughs> I would suggest that Lee uh, patronize his local farm market, uh, probably save him a lot of, a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> now, that makes it really easy. <laughs> uh, well, my, my, what I like doing best out of the garden, all in all, uh, is to grow my own gazpacho. I grow the tomatoes, uh, yeah. the right peppers, okay, and the cucumbers, mm-hmm. and have them all ready at a bright the same time. You yep. know, and all I have to do is add the uh, olive oil and some dried bread, and uh, we, I've, got, I've got it. Uh, every year we, we do that. Uh, well, yeah, that I, sounds like too much work for Lee, well, though. I mean, we're we're going for the uh, the easy stuff here. Well, I, I would at one year thought that. Uh, uh, Blue Hubbard squash, I planted way over planted, and I got a, whole, a lot of them growing, and then, then a couple of them were huge, <laughs> yeah, right. all, all, only to discover that, yeah, they were big squash, but they were kind of hollow mostly in the middle. Right. right. And I'd say they were very easy to grow because I didn't get that, uh, that, that mildew on it, the powdered mildew. I didn't get anything that year, yeah. except really good, a very good yield. But then, we were running the old squire poems, you know, Ken's dad's poems, and one of his poems was how hard it is to grow Blue Hubbard squash. I wish I could have taken one of my big ones, put it in a time machine, and, and sent it back to him. So I guess it depends on where you are and uh, well, what the what the season brings. You, br- you the- brought up the, the one ingredient that's yeah. important in every garden, and that's just a little bit of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You have to have a little bit of that. Too. Yeah, and I think some of the insect pests are forming malicious these days. <laughs> nah. I mean, it used to be they were pests. Now they're oh, come on. arch enemies, I think. Yeah, I, I don't no, know. They, they've been around. Yeah. I mean, think of the, the locusts that came to use. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're fighting the same battle that our ancestors fought. We just have a few more tools, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> As I call it, the garden fortress, you right. know, because if, it, if it's not the bugs, it's the beasts. If it's not the beasts, it's the weather, and if it's not the weather, it's something else. Yeah, well, where I am in, in Mallet's Bay, the deer are the ones. They they eat the pole beans at, at, at deer height, so right yes. in the middle of your teepee, everything is eaten. So suddenly, <laughs> everything above dies, and then everything below gets really shocked, and you yeah. lose a lot of that as yeah. well. Oh, well, that's another easy one, uh, Lee, if you're listening, uh, is kale. Kale is uh, one of those wonderful crops that you just plant a plant, and I do them one per square foot, and that seems like it might not be big enough, but by the time they get up to two feet, they're touching, overlapping each other, and you can start, well, I did a big harvest uh, a week ago or so. Do you like kale? 
He doesn't have one of those eat more kale shirts. Yeah. So you don't have one of the eat more kale shirts? That's another easy one to grow. Kale is easy. Kale is easy, yes. Okay, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the biggest kale fan, but that's a whole other topic away from gardening. I think we have some uh, questions and the comments on gardening because let's go to Barry City for a phone call and let's hear from Katrina. Katrina, you're on with Peter Burke. Hey, Katrina. Hi, how are you all today? Good, thanks. And I present for your consideration yeah. the easiest vegetable to grow. Okay, great. Garlic. Oh. Put the cloves in in the fall and put some mulch around them. Uh, keep an eye on them come spring. Yep. Maybe mulch a little more around them. Yep. They're not susceptible to bugs. Uh, yep. You can harvest the scapes and... You know, late June, early July, and yep. by the end of July, you can have harvest the garlic. No, I, I think you're, I think you're right on with the garlic. Yeah, that's another easy one to grow. But it's, it's not so much a vegetable in that it's not something you just sit down and eat. You know, well, although some people, if you're brave. some people, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it. A lot of people like to take the whole clove and roast it and then spoon yep. out the individuals, and that's really good. And the scapes, of course, are as good as asparagus. So, yep. yeah, I guess we'd have to put it put it in the list. There you go. Well, thank you for that's considering awesome. it. It's yeah. not one of the healthiest things you can eat, too. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> it does. You just make sure everybody eats it. <laughs> oh, so you pass it around to your friends? Is that what it oh, is? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you can bake chicken. I do a dish of forty cloves of bacon. I mean, forty cloves of garlic with chicken, and yeah. it's just underneath the go- the uh, chicken as it cooks. It Ooh. comes out nice and soft and tasty, Ooh. and nothing Ooh, boy, like spreading it over some red hen bread. Oh, yeah, a little olive oil in there, yeah, that does sound oh, yeah. delicious, yeah. Well, my favorite uh, hummus recipe is my garlicky hummus, and I use 20 cloves, 24 cloves of garlic and uh, two cans of uh, chickpeas. And then I put in a cup of olive oil, and I boil that all together. So it takes a little bit of the burn out of the garlic, but you keep the flavor, and the flavor really, uh, by by boiling it, it really, really makes that the olive oil garlic, and it's so delicious. Put that in the food blender, and you've got the best hummus you've you've ever had, teaspoon of salt. Sure beats store-bought. (laughs) Well, I have to confess that there was one particular hummus that I used to get at the co-op called Bobby's uh, uh, Hummus. And I figured, okay, this is my standard right here. If I can get it to taste like this one. So I kept adding more and more garlic until it got up to 24 cloves of garlic. (laughs) So... Uh, that makes some really good hummus, and it's because I boil it; it's not hot. Yeah. You know, it doesn't turn your stomach upside down. Thank you, gentlemen, for your show. Little ki- did really you say? Forbes said a little bit of cayenne yeah. pepper. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Change the scent to fool the dog. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. An interesting story on garlic. Yeah. I had a friend of mine whose mother lived to be 101 years old. 
And she took a clove of garlic every single day. Oh, jeez. And they donated, uh, she wanted her body donated to the university for yeah. study. Yeah. And when they did the uh, breakdown, they found that all of her heart muscle and tissue was bright pink, soft, huh? un- unaffected whatsoever from age. So, there you go. Well, they do sell they do sell garlic as a health aid, you know, de deodorized or however they always point out that it's right. in some ways denatured, but has all the the valuable properties as a, as a health aid. So, as a supplement, so. like smoking too, uh, it emits a certain body odor also over a period of time. Yeah, no, that's I've noticed that because I, I I do take several supplements, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Alpha lipoic acid. My brother said that's good for that, and, yeah. and fish oil. It's good for something else. So I got. Yeah. I, think I, I think I've got a supplement for every organ. And most of it superstitious behavior, I'm sure. But uh, the garlic is is good for various things, and you know if it can't hurt, uh, well maybe it will help. And there you go. There you have a little anecdotal evidence, anyway. Well, your mother probably told you it was good for worms. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, you know, during a good garden. Gardening season usually, you know, about a half hour before dinner time. Take some of the fresh garlic that you've had out of your garden, saute it, and then figure out what else from the garden you're going to throw in it. But that was always the way you started the evening cooking. <laughs> well, that, that is true. You, yeah. We've got plenty of time to uh, hear more questions if you have it, uh, either by by telephone or uh, live here at the. Uh, Stowe Street 90th birthday celebration of WDEV. Again, we're going to be on for about another 15 minutes or so, and then some fine live music here coming to you direct from in front of WDEV in our birthday celebration. And there's still free ice cream, cake, and all kinds of goodies here as we continue the celebration. We will return with this program following these words from our uh, esteemed sponsors. This is WDEV, Vermont's news station, owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group from the top of Sugarbush 96.1 FM WDEV Warren in Waitsfield, 96.5 W243 Berry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, streaming at WDEVradio.com. 90 years of serving Vermont, the friendly pioneer, WDEV. Haven't you always wanted a contractor that you can trust? 30 years ago, Steve and Polly started Polly Construction with the idea that every homeowner needs that trusted contractor. Remodeling, new construction, decks, windows, anything construction. One call does it all. And for a small job that no one else will touch, Handyman by Polly. PollyConstruction.com. That's P-O-L-L-I Construction.com. The Willie Store in Greensboro has something for everyone. Fresh seafood on Fridays, select meats, a huge wine selection from around the world. Vermont brews including Hill Farmstead, find Jasper Hill cheeses, full groceries. Come upstairs to Willie's clothing and footwear, including bathing suits and sandals. Willie's True Value Hardware is full of interior and exterior paints and the right advice for all your projects. The Willie Store in Greensboro, family owned since 1900. See them on Facebook. 
Smart shoppers, big sticks and stuff. We carry Apex tools like Nicholson files and Crescent adjustable wrenches, the original and still the best. We are your headquarters for all your projects around your home, inside and out. With our huge selection of Apex tools, we have it all. Visit us today in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby, or online anytime at sticksandstuff.com. Sticks and stuff and Swanton lumber, we've got the right stuff for you. Pets are a big part of Guy's Farm and Yard. Products for their health and happiness is what they have. Fun toys and healthy treats. So many great choices of food for every age and breed. Find all the leads and harness options and pet beds that will make them happiest of all. Guy's Farm and Yard has all the mulch choices for your gardens and trees. Your place is going to be heaven for you and your pets with a trip to Guy's Farm and Yard, Portland Street, Morrisville, Berry Street, Montpelier, Taft Corners, Williston, Fairfax Road in St. Albans. If it grows and eats, guys can feed it. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. How is your garden looking? Hi, this is Tiffany at Menard's Family True Value. Does your garden need a boost? We've got the fertilizers to fix it up. Does your garden have pests? We've got the pest controls to fix it up. Do you have a crop ready to harvest? We've got all the preserving supplies you'll need. At Family Owned and Operated, Menard's Family True Value. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 to 4, and closed Sundays, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. It's in the garden with Peter Burke. Once again, here's Peter. Hey, Joel. So one of the things we were talking about off-air was uh, how lucky we are in Vermont to have these farmers' markets and the wonderful produce that we can get. Uh, These are sort of gardeners on a bigger scale, and that is a lot more important than than just being having food available because a lot of times these farmers uh, at, the, at the, the markets are organic farmers and they really put a lot of work into what's in the soil because if it isn't in the soil, it's not going to be in the food. And there's been a, a big push to use things like rock powders, uh, of course a lot of the manure and and fertilizers that have a, a larger range of elements that we don't really get in um, in a lot of our store-bought foods. And recently, I did a soil test for my garden, and I was surprised. I was very surprised that um, I needed sulfur. In my garden, I, I was really, really low on that. Although it, it makes sense when you start to sit back and you think about it. You know, I grow a lot of uh, um, cabbage family, and they use a lot of sulfur. And so where is that sulfur coming from to replace all those? So I take a head of cabbage out of the, the garden and, you know, only a little bit it goes into my compost bin. And 
a lot of it just, you know, it's not returned to the soil. So I have to be careful to make sure that I replace those elements that my plants are taking out. And this is sort of why I've gone to that uh, two-pronged technique for fertilizing, using both a dry fertilizer that has a wide range of elements in it, like the uh, ProGrow, and uh, also using like a fish emulsion to to spray the uh, to use a um, a foliar spray, and this gives us a wider range of elements that the plants really need to to um, well one stay healthy, but also be healthful for uh, for us what we eat. And uh, of course, my wife and I will often go out in the garden. We'll pick the stuff that's ripe and ready, and sit down and have a meal, and and we'll look at each other and sit. We couldn't buy this in any restaurant. This is so delicious and so good um, that that's one of the reasons that we like to garden and go through all the hoops to keep that garden going is that it's just superior to anything that you can buy. It's worth it. You know, what is it? Uh, homegrown tomatoes, right? That's right. True love and homegrown tomatoes. And that song written by Two things Vermont. that money cannot yeah. buy. Yeah, Vermont, Vermonter wrote <laughs> yeah. homegrown tomatoes. You must have been a gardener. Huh? Absolutely. Well, you know, what's also, I think, so valuable about the local farm markets, it's not just the fresh vegetables when they first start to come in and then continue to come in throughout the season, but so many of the people take it to the next level and do a bit of, of you know, very enlightened processing. So you get fresh locally made jams and jellies and preserves and pickles and uh, my favorite, uh, the dilly beans, you know. <laughs> and, uh, when, they, when they're available, oh boy, you know. Vermont at its absolute best. And of course, they make the best gifts too for, for the uh, out of. I was going to say flatlanders that we invite over, but no. Ha- Watch out, ha- having the, been having been raised in the Bronx, yeah, right. even though it was more than 65 years ago, I'm still a flatlander yeah, in right. many people's eyes. And I guess that, that's fine. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to throw stones. A point you made, uh, Peter, is that. Um, all your plants that grow, anything that grows in the ground, depletes that soil. It needs it to grow a good product. Yeah. But it's depleted from the soil. And so that's why you have to add back in or keep an eye on what your levels are of all your different nutrients because the plant will naturally take it out. Yeah. Well, I read a book over the winter called The Intelligent Gardener. And he was uh, challenging the organic uh, farming gardening mantra of just add more compost. He said it's the Samoa method, more or less, just add Samoa compost. (laughs) (laughs) Samoa. Samoa compost. (laughs) And he said that's not adequate. You have to do a soil test. You have to find out what's in your soil. Because every place is a little bit different, um, and uh, even though you know there's a basic, you know, with the perfect soil and the fertilizer and the azomite, the rock powder, all of those things that we add to it, it's still worth the test to see. Because uh, this was a, a dramatic deficiency I had in my garden, which surprised me. 
And then we had to add uh, nitrogen, too. I was down on nitrogen as well, right. which yeah. I would have never guessed because it, not only do we do uh, uh, clover, the you know, on a cycle, we, we plant it every so many years, we'll plant that. Take some of the beds out of a production and just plant uh, a green manure. But it wasn't enough. So, and I would never have known that if I hadn't done the test. Yeah, I've made the mistake of just simply adding some more compost every year. So Only, Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the easiest thing to do in the compost is actually black goals when you come right down to it. Yes. So... <laughs> But, you know, the same thing. If, if the compost is made with, with produce that is deficient, yes. it's going to be just deficient, you know, as compost. It's not going to miraculously add sulfur or potassium. Or, and, of course, you know, with a lot of farms and traditional chemical farming, it's just the NPK. But the NPK is only the start of the formula. And boron, for example, very trace amounts make a huge difference. And they say if you, your broccoli has hollow spots in the, in the stem, you need boron. But when they say how much boron you add, it's like a teaspoon in, in the whole 4x4 four four bed. You know, it's a, it's such a small amount. It's a just tiny amount. What was the place that uh, you did your soil test that they gave a very ex- – you have to pay for it, obviously, but it gave you a Logan, very extensive – Logan Labs out there. Logan Labs. And I think uh, you use uh, Cornell, right, for right. us? Yeah. yeah, I do, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, and UVM also has – Yes, yeah. they do. The reason I went with the um, – uh, Logan Labs was they have an agronomist that for another 30 bucks he'll look at what your stuff says and, and give you an idea of what you, what you need. And I knew that I needed that help. You know, I needed to, because when I'm looking at it, okay, my, my potassium is at this level, the sulfur is at that level. I don't know whether it's high or low or, you know, how am I going to get that sulfur? Right. What I do is a, both a leaf sample. Yeah. And then a soil sample. I'm going to give that a try. And so that I can see what that plant's actually taken up from the earth. From the earth, yeah. And uh, Cornell will give me a printout as to what my deficiencies are and what I have to add to yeah. to create unleashing yeah. some of the minerals that are locked up. Well, that's great. And can never get to that plant. I think we have okay. a phone call. Yeah, we got a couple of phone calls. We'll go okay. first to Peter, who's going to tell us the easiest thing to grow. So, Peter, in Burlington, you're on the air. Yes, Joel. It's not Peter, it's Pierre. Oh, Pierre, well, no. <laughs> that's the second time I've dealt with that, but uh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> in your discussion about the easiest thing to grow in the garden, what yes. I have is, and it's in the springtime, uh, I can pick it early in the season, and it's dandelion greens. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, let me see. It was Elliot's wife was mentioning that she makes a, uh, a pot roast with uh, a ton of dandelion greens, and uh, she just puts them right in the pressure cooker with the meat. How do you do yours? Well, I, I cut them up and put them in my salad. Eat them green. Oh, oh you eat them green? Wow. Yeah. So you must be picking them real young? That's right, you before don't... they flower. Before yeah. they flower. And are they slightly bitter like an endive? 
less bitter when before they flower. Oh, okay. okay. All right, there's... We're, we're backing up against the music, so Pierre, thank you for calling. I do want to get to our final caller, Nancy in Morrisville, who has a question for you. Peter, Nancy, you're on the air. Hey, Nancy. Hello, and thank you. Congratulations to WDEV, the best radio station going. And basically, my question is about trimming the lower leaves of vegetables. I had trouble with some fungus last year on my on my zucchini, and as a result, this year, I decided to take a chance and trim any of the stems and leaves that were on the surface of the soil. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely good idea. No question about it. A lot of times you'll see those leaves are starting to yellow anyway. And sometimes the, right. the, mold, the mold is really a secondary problem. The, the plant is trying to get rid of these leaves. They're cutting them off. They're not getting the, you know, the, uh, the right nutrients. And uh, uh, so it's a good thing to trim them off. That's, that's no problem whatsoever. Um, if you continue, if you see some, though, go ahead and spray them with something that, uh, you know, whether it's uh, an antifungal uh, or just uh, like milk and, and uh, baking soda, baking, uh, you know, that'll take care of that problem. Because, And you can spray them with almost anything. You spray them with fish emulsion, whatever. What you're trying to do is change the pH on those leaves, and the molds won't grow. But, uh, okay, yeah, so you can trim off Trim them off, absolutely. Okay, I'm really glad I haven't done any damage to the plants. Nope, no, you won't. They are producing dirt. More likely you're going to encourage the plants to grow by trimming them off. Okay, well, thank you for your call. And uh, we are reached a point here in our program where this is the conclusion of this edition of uh, In the Garden with Peter Burke. Of course, uh, we thank Peter. We thank Forbes Morrill for being with us live here, for our live audience here, and, of course, for our vast listening audience listening today. In the Garden brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield, Clossed's Florist and Greenhouse on Main Street in Colchester, Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road, Sticks and Stuff in Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, Middlesex St. Albans, Edisburg, Swanton and Derby, Guy's Farm and Yard Stores, all four of them in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston and St. Albans, P&R Lumber, Route 15 in Walkett, the Willie Store in Greensboro, Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel on Route 107, and Poly Construction, where one call does it all. We will join you again next Saturday at 1230 in the Garden. This is WDEV.